Hey, everyone. In this episode, we're continuing down our client service model series. We previously covered client segmentation, and this is the next step, which is building a service matrix. A service matrix is a very simple concept. All you're doing is listing different types of client contacts and then deciding how much you want to do for each of your client segments. So in this episode, we list six, and these are broad buckets for types of client touches. The first is formal review. The second is digital communication. Third is client events. Four is actionable personal. Five is social. And then we just have a catch-all bucket that's other or unique. Yeah. So for example, if you decide that your A clients are going to get two formal reviews a year, four digital communications a year, get a birthday card and be invited to a client dinner, that's your service matrix for that client. It's a really easy way to lay things out. So think of your broad buckets going from left to right or west to east. And each segment you've created, ABC, et cetera, is going to be going north to south. So this is a clear snapshot of how you think best to service your clients, all built into one handy matrix. It's a great tool to use for you and your team to set the expectations for what each of your clients is to get from you in black and white. So that's segment one. And in the second segment, we're going to focus on some unique client contact ideas. And this is when we get away from the broad buckets into the specific And this will be a recurring segment on this show that we'll do over time. So to sum up, here are your two takeaways for this episode. The first is to be able to build a service matrix. And the second is to pick one of the client context ideas that we share that you can use in your practice. Ready, everybody? Let's get going. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, a gentleman who has a better college football team than the rest of us. The man That's right. That, that crawled out of the bayou and now lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He is Kurt Dupuy. Kurt, welcome. I don't think you're going to come up with a better intro than that. I, I, I think it's the challenge. Now each time I've got to I've got to come up with yeah. those. That that's the Are you I've starting a monster? Are you starting with the Costanza corner? Are you going to just leave after that intro? That is like, pretty good. That's you a, that's just a good bounce point. Out. I like it. I like it. Well, welcome. Um excited for this episode. We're going to we're going to keep on moving through our client service model series and you know, people can pick up these episodes at any point. They may not necessarily listen to to each one all the way through. So it's always important that we summarize. So let's let's take a step back. So we're doing a minimum standard of care. So just doing the basic proactive minimum. The first step is segmentation. So you you go through that process of segmentation. Then you have to design your service model. And that's what we're going to talk about today, which is the number of contacts and the types of contacts. Yeah. So to recap on, on segmentation quickly, less is more is, is the takeaway there. I mean, you can assets and revenue tend to be integral parts of that process, but you can get as detailed as you want. I mean, you can get blood type, favorite rush album, <laughs> uh, what, you know, whatever you want to put in there. But I think what Steve and I have both found most successful is you you have the quantitative element and then you just kind of have a qualitative and measure that. And you so it just makes it easier that this is not a perfect science. There's probably more art than science. So 
less is more segmentation is it tends to be illuminating for folks because they they kind of know it in their head but to see it in black and white it's helpful but there's no sense in overcomplicating the issue yeah and so the end of our last episode we basically had an excel spreadsheet that had we didn't even use assets we used revenue we used relationship uh, score we used upside score that was really it and you know, we overweighted revenue, but those are basically the criteria that we use to score, right? And and again, we have a template for this. So if you if you want, reach out to us at the whole truth at touchstonefunds.com and we can we can help you out with that. But or if you're if you excel at Excel, uh, you know, you could probably build that yourself. So now we're gonna jump into actually the service model and start thinking about the number of touches and the types of touches. And often, I don't know if this is your experience, Kurt, but it is with mine. Advisors wanna jump into right into the number of touches. So they'll say, okay, you know, what are we working on here? You know, a 1242 model or a six four. It's like, let's back up and think about, you know, what are the different types of touches that you wanna do? And then we can work backwards and figure out for each segment how many you wanna do. Yeah, and this this is where you and I are. I think our personalities are different, and how we look at this might be different. But at the end of the day, I think we would both advocate having a plan. And if if twelve touches a year for your top clients seems right for you, then go with it. But don't punish yourself if that if that's ten or just just be flexible with with, with how you you think about that. Yeah, and again, we're doing the bare minimum here. If we got crazy busy with all other with all other types of things if we were focused more on business development of like what is the bare minimum that you know the sta- that basic standard of care that we want to give to our clients and so from a high level i mean th- there's all kinds of different client touch types that you can do and ideas and and we're going to explore a lot of them but i kind of for this episode wanted to bucket some of the ones that we talk about most often and here's how i would bucket them The first is formal client review. Doesn't have to be in person, could be over the phone, however you want to do it. This is something where you're formally going over the full picture with with that client. Usually it's once or twice a year. The second is digital, digital communication with your clients, emails, um, and that could involve anything. Again, these are big, broad buckets. The next one is really important, and very few FAs do it, and I almost require my FAs to do it, which is something called actionable personal touches. You know what I'm getting at with them? No, I've never heard you talk about that. I'm curious to see what's coming next. So in this particular case, and this is one example, they knew that the client's daughter was starting college. So she sent over a care package for the daughter's first week in college. That's what I mean by actionable personal. It's each time you meet with a client, capturing things that you can then use to follow up with, and it doesn't have to be um, you know, extensive. I'll give you an example. I have a daughter who's six months old. I had a, I had a baby recently. I am a fan of Indiana University basketball. I'm involved in a lot of animal charities, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a financial advisor, you can note those things. And it would be pretty easy throughout an entire year for you to find some way to follow up. Does that make sense to you, Kurt? Yeah. Well, and I I think uh, it was another one of our colleagues that brought up the idea of setting Google alerts for those types of topics. Exactly. I know those three things and nothing else about them. You can either set on your your own or have some of your support staff, like set alerts. If something comes up with animal welfare... I should send that to side, like a quick, That's quick right. anecdote, just a little, that, that, that is a touch. That is a meaningful interaction that deepens your relationship, which is, 
I think a big part of of where we're going with all this, um, so many people see client service, the client experiences, well, how many reviews a year are we doing? And that's it. It's those types of things I think that are really meaningful. I mean, this this is a human business at the end of the day, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten pushback or someone had mentioned, well, is this too personal, you know, taking notes on someone personally and following up in, in that kind of way? No. Which is crazy. Uh, I mean, th- it is these crazy, people's yeah. entire financial lives are in your hands, right? Yeah. Uh, th- so- so no, talking about their dog or their children is not too yeah. personal. And you bring up a good one. The animals are good too. Sending stuff for for the, the animals, absolutely. So uh, yeah, so this is what I mean by actual personal. And I know that we went down a little bit of tangent here, but I think it's really important. And, and the way that you start this process, by the way, is every time that you sit down with a client, you make it a point to capture those things. So when you're done- you write these things down and then in your client files, whether they're digital or physical or whatever, you have all these actionable personal. Okay. So well, and we'll, we'll um, foreshadow a little bit, but we're, we're going to have an episode just on doing client reviews and, you know, the, the best topics, questions and a system systematized way to go through that. But that, that can illuminate a lot of these things as well. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. We're always teasing new episodes. So stick with us because we, we keep developing these along the way, but so formal reviews, digital, actionable, personal. The next one is client events. The next one I would call social. And the final one I would call other or unique. That's just a catch-all bucket of something that I didn't mention. So if we can list those out just as a starting point, and then what we can do is look through our A's, our B's, our C's, and our D's and say, of all those categories, what do I want to do for each of my clients, each of those tiers? Hopefully you guys are getting a picture in your mind, but we also uh, won't surprise any of you. We have tools for this as well. And it's a very basic Excel-based service matrix where you have you know, your client tiers going going uh, east to west and then north to south. You have your different these different types that we laid out. And just putting that on the Excel sheet for each of the columns. And then what's really interesting is to calculate how many touches that that's going to take after you add it all up. Because remember... We could put this down, but we actually have to execute it. So it could be a point where you look and you say, wow, that's a lot of client touches. And again, remember, this whole thing is going towards a point where you are proactive. And so all these things are done over time. And when you get to the end of the year, you don't even have to think about, did I talk to client A? Did I talk to, because you've already done it, right? And so obviously building processes and execution is going to be the key with this, like, like everything else. So- I guess the bigger question then is, what do you want the client experience to look like? I mean, and that starts with your A clients and goes all the way down to D. And one of the big questions I think that, that we have here is differentiating between client service and client experience. Do you, do you talk any uh, about the, dif- the difference between those two things? Yes, but expand on that. Well, and, and I've been... I've been racking my brain trying to think of different analogies and different ways to to express this. But so client service is your client calls in, they need a check, they talk to your CSA and they're friendly or not friendly. And you know, that one touch in time, what does that look like? That's client service. That's a single point in time. Client experience is the 30,000 foot view. Take a step back. And what is the entire experience, when, when they hear your name, when they hear the name of your company, what emotions are evoked? And, and, yeah. I, and I think 
the the easiest way to summarize client experience is the emotional connection. So I think this is going to be a thread throughout what what we discuss. But I I just I guess I just want to start just making that clear delineation between what is client service and what is client experience. Well, it, and if you think about it, it's like we've all done business with with a company where we felt horrible doing business with that company. You know, I think when I call in and try to make, you know, changes to my cable and I'm on hold for a hundred years or a mortgage servicer, right? And what that feels like yeah. versus, wow, I really enjoy doing business with this company. I'm going to go, I'm going to go back. I mean, it's no different than going to a restaurant that, you know, when you walk in and no one cares that you're there versus when people do. And, it, you know, I'm as long as we're opinion. not talking about that burrito company that yells at you when you walk in, I, I don't, that's that. a whole other, that, so they got a whole, that's other an thing experience. There. They're, yeah. they're trying to differentiate their experience, but not the experience I'm looking for. Even if you have a lot of clients in your book, you can create a model that delivers an experience to a client and they're, where they're like, wow, I really love my advisor and I, w- I would refer my advisor. He or she goes the extra few yards for me and it, it, it can be done. Well, and so I also want to give folks a sense of how crappy most companies and business are, are with the client experience. So there's a survey that Customer Management IQ put together that found 75% of executives and leaders rated the customer experience as a five on a scale from one to five with how important it was, right? You ask anybody about client service or about client experience, is it important? Yes or no? Obviously, yes, it is. But to follow that up, Bain did a study, and I think this was like 2018. Bain and company did a study where 80% of management thought that they were delivering a superior client experience. 80%, 80%, right? This is like yep. like your analogy of everyone thinks they're an above average driver, which just statistically can't be true. That's exactly yep. what's going on here. But they did an interesting thing and then they surveyed the customers of these organizations. And you'll take a stab at how at the percentage of customers that thought that they were receiving an elevated client experience? I have no idea. Yeah, 40%? Eight. Eight. Wow, that's Eight. insane. Yeah. And this this Bain and Company survey came up with uh, in several websites and articles that that I was looking at, kind of looking into the, this idea of the client experience. I don't know if I've ever seen such a gap in what a company is trying to accomplish with what they're achieving, right? So so people are not good at this, and and if if you have, as an FA who put your blood and sweat and skin into this every day, like if you could get this right. You're, you're, you're good for life. Yeah. And remember that it is way more costly to go get a new relationship. So keeping the relationships you have is of fundamental importance before you even think about growing the business. Yeah. And a couple more or anecdotes. And I, I was telling Steve before we were recording that to be ready for some rants here, but it's been many, many moons ago that I read a book called Delivering Happiness, which was written by the guy that founded Zappos and eventually sold to Amazon, and who I think is probably one of the gurus in the space of client experience. There's an excerpt from that book that that I thought was really telling about what client experience really is. So a customer was returning a pair of shoes and they were late doing that because their mother passed away. 
And so when Zappos found out what was happening, they took care of the return shipping, had a courier pick it up, no cost to the customer. But they didn't stop there. They, they kept going. So the next day, the customer came home to find a bouquet of flowers and a note from the customer service department of Zappos sending their condolences. Wow. So I, I just try to encapsulate things. To me, that story encapsulates what client experience is. And you know, I I think there's another truism that that we're we're talking around here that there's there's three main ways that that folks can differentiate themselves. One, they can do it on product. And let's face it, if you're at firm A, firm B, firm C, like the products that you're offering are going to be largely the same. It's very difficult to differentiate yourself in product in the financial services or the, the wealth management business. Would, would you agree with that, or is that is that, is that a hot is a, a hot take, or is that pretty? No, Spot it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. Okay. So another way you, you can differentiate yourself is pricing and not many people want to get into that game, right? There's, yeah. if, if you're advisory, you know, the, the SEC sets limits on what you can price at. And, you know, we, we look at a bunch of practices, we know what some averages are, but you know, you're pretty range bound there. You're not, you're not going to compete on pricing and many folks don't want to. Exactly. So the third way to differentiate yourself, client experience. Probably not my last rant, but my next rant is uh, there's a gas station. Have you ever heard of Bucky's? No. It's a Texas company. And as a Louisiana guy, it takes a lot for me to give props to anything in Texas. But but I is will. that right? That's a thing. You guys have a thing with Texas. I didn't. It's even like know a that. big brother, little brother thing. It may Got not it. be for everybody. I have cousins in Texas, and yeah. uh, and so this is probably just me. But it's it's definitely a thing. See, I'm learning something every day from you, Kurt. <laughs> so, so Bucky's is a gas station change. So, I mean, we're we're really going to spark debate here with. I, I know people love like Wawa and what's what's the one on the now East? we're talking. Yeah, Wawa's your your world from Jersey. That's my Jersey roots right there. Yeah, <laughs> Bucky's is taking a commoditized product, gasoline and and tobacco that you know highly regulated, and they are put wrapping an entire experience around it. So I think each store is like 70,000 square feet, which is equivalent to about 22 standalone 7-Elevens. They have 80 to 120 fuel pumps. So you never have to wait in line. They have 80 stall restrooms. So you never have to wait and they're kept immaculately clean. I think 2012, they, they won an award for actually the cleanest bathrooms in America. But it's food preparation. Everything's made on site. They make their recipes available online. Uh, they have 80 different drink dispensers. You can pay at 30 different cash registers. It's big, clean, fun, and memorable. So it, they just have such a cult following. People actually take selfies of themselves in front of a Bucky's because it's an experience and they're yeah. selling gasoline. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just think that's another good little, little anecdote of how that that experience can be differentiated. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I will tell you this, my advisors that do this well don't really run into the fee conversation very often. Is that your experience as well? Yeah, and I I think that's true on our side of the business too, right? If you're if you're if you're serving well, it's a good pro, it's a good product. There's always some level of fee sensitivity, but it's not the end all be all. This is a really good discussion. I know we kind of went on some tangents, but let me just sum up for everyone out there. So we we came into this episode with our client segmentation. And what we did through this segment was build a, a very basic 
customer service matrix where you have the high broad buckets of categories. Um, you have your A through D and you're basically going down the list and saying, how much do I want to do with each of those categories? So we're going to come back with specific client service ideas. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. And welcome back, everyone. So let me lay out where we're going to be headed next. So you've got your service matrix in place. You've got the different number of touches that you're going to do with the segments. So what we're going to do is get a little bit more specific around client touch ideas. This will start in this episode. It will absolutely not finish in this episode. As you listen to this show over time, we will continuously add new, different, interesting client touch ideas. That's something that you should get from us in you know, a lot of different episodes. And we, we know it's valuable because that's one of the things when we were talking about this show with our, with our FAs that, that they said we want to hear more about that from others. It's, it's just a common topic. You want to play a game? Yeah. When we talk about these ideas, this is something we do at my house. Immediate feedback. Thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs sideways. Okay. With how good I like of an that. idea do you think it is? Okay. okay. I'm on board with that. So so we're going to jump into those ideas. I do want to point out that our next episode, because we've designed you know a service matrix here, the implementation of the client service model is really critical. It's really important. It's taking all these different touch points and mapping them out and putting processes around that. That is critical, but I'm just going to start kicking around some client touch ideas, right? So do you want to kick us off, Kurt, or you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. You can just roast me out the gate. Let's go. Okay, let's do it. So I was just thinking about ideas around memorable milestones in life. So think birth of someone, uh, the death of someone, an anniversary, kid goes to college, Etc. So, my my first idea is for the birth of a child. It can be birth of a client, grandchild, whatever. It's to buy a piggy bank. Anytime that you know a client has a kid, you should buy them a piggy bank. Now, if you want to go baller, Tiffany has banks for one hundred thirty bucks. They're very nice. Um, I've never owned one. Tiffany piggy bank. That is it, that's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to elevate it, go Tiffany. Or I also looked on Amazon. They are twenty dollars on Amazon for a really, relatively nice piggy bank, which I have two of them for my two daughters here in the house. How about that. So connects money with you, gives them a gift, shows that you're thinking about them. Boom. What do you think? Thumbs up. Thumbs that's, down. That's thumbs up. That's thumbs up. You know, again, I had my daughter six months ago. You know, if someone had sent me something like that and say, hey, here's your daughter's first piggy bank, man, I'd feel pretty good about that person. Yeah. Right? And, and theoretically, That's, it would be with them until they're an adult. So, yeah, I like that one. Okay. So I'll throw one at you and we'll probably get through, I don't know, maybe six or eight of these in this episode. And we'll, as I said, we'll keep doing more of this. I have an advisor that each year the New York Times bestseller list comes out, he sends it to his clients. And he says, we should always find time to read more or, or, or explore, or expand your mind during the year. Pick out one book off this list and I'll buy it for you. And he does that for all his clients. Oh, that's a thumbs up. That's a definite right? thumbs up. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I heard that. I was like, wow, I want to do that for, for my advisor base. Yeah. That's fantastic. Then I just need to find the time to get to reading it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I like it. Okay, that's, you're up. That's a thumbs up. Okay, so th this is a tough one and I will- Solicit feedback on this one. Okay. As a person who has lost someone 
close to me in my lifetime. I know how difficult that time can be. So I'm not even sure anything is appropriate. But if if you have the type of relationship with your clients that you want to acknowledge that that you are there in a support capacity during the loss of a loved one, I have two ideas. One is you can plant a tree and just make make sure that that, that they know is it, it, I think there's a really good symbol that life continues and you know there's a lot of, a lot of symbolism in there. Or something maybe a little bit more practical that that I've seen online is um, Etsy has a ton of kits that some combination of like a little succulent, a card, a candle, something like that that just just has really uplifting phrases on it. And and again in real time asking asking your feedback because I don't know if if that's just like untouchable you don't want to talk to people or send them anything when they're grieving what do you think about that thumbs up or thumbs down I'm going to give it a thumbs up I mean these when you started going down this path I I was like this is going to be a thumbs down or sideways because it's something that I've struggled with my whole life is like how do you talk to someone in those circumstances what do you yeah. do what do you say it's such a personal thing the one that that hit me best was planting a tree so if you did that and then sent that to him, you know, you don't even have to say much beyond that, right? That's excellent. It's, so it's yeah. almost a, like be seen, not heard time in, in your life, right? Just just that someone knows that you're thinking about them because words aren't going to do anything, but just knowing yeah. that people. So this is fantastic. We've got some good ideas flowing here. So I'll just keep us going. So I've had some success um, getting the next generation involved. So having, this is more of a client event idea, although you can do it one-on-one. Big tease there. That's a big, big problem advisors have. We know the statistics about next generation not sticking with, with the advisors. We know that. So if you can bring the next gen in and not just introduce yourself, hey, I'm a financial advisor, but actually go through an exercise with that next gen. So for example, yeah. you know, we've got this great planner that we go through that whole experience one puts you in a great position with the next gen but it actually solves a problem of the older generation struggling around financial issues with the younger generation in a lot of cases and the younger generation sometimes struggling with financial literacy so yeah i haven't done a ton with that but huge problem like everyone every advisor i know would love to solve that problem awesome so you give me thumbs up are we That's all thumbs, thumbs up. up on this? Okay, so let's do let's do two more. One from you, one from me. Go ahead. You alluded to this a little earlier, so I'm not going to steal your thunder, but I do think gift baskets for kids going to college is a good That's one. That's a good one. Yeah. But I have a different one. When illness strikes, and I think you can you can define that a bunch of different ways, right? Not not a common cold, but whether it's something more serious like cancer or or flu or just a surgery. Rather than sending flowers or something like that, there's a organization, a company that's over here. I don't know if you have it out there on, on the West Coast, actually, but it's called Instead of Flowers, which is a high-end food service. So they send you ready-made meals to your door. You know, It's not like some frozen thing you have to heat up. It's gourmet meals ready to go out of the box. Oh, I, when, we, when we had one of our daughters, some friends did that for us, and it just shows up at your, your door and you eat it. And so when people are likely having extended stays in the hospital or you know, not yeah. having time to cook or something, I think it's a really thoughtful thing to throw in there. Wow. Thumbs up. The only thing I would say is, you know, is that scalable? So I'm an advisor that has 
200 clients, whatever the number is, do you think it's scalable in that type of business? Or do you think about it and you'd say, okay, this is something that, you know, for my A clients and B clients, I, I, I'll look to, but may, so how do you think about that? I think I'd put that in the first class experience. Yeah. Yeah. So those are more your, your A's. Uh, I yeah. think that's great. So, all right, Cole, last one for me is this is a, not just a, a client touch point. It's a series of, of touch points. I know an advisor that is building out basically a suite of services that they for their elderly clients or as folks get older that that they need. So what does that mean? For example, they have seminar seminars on Medicare and healthcare and things like that. They RV, have yeah. they have recommended chiropractors and massage therapists. They have so you get the point. You you basically do so like a their long own list. ecosystem of referrals. Yeah. That's exactly it. So oh. it's almost like we're going to handle you know, your financial life and your plans and everything, but we also help you more broadly if you need a fill in the blank, right? And so you can make the list of whatever you think that looks like, but- you know, if you need this, call on me. I, you know, I've got someone vetted, ready to go. You don't even have to think about it. Yeah, I, I like that. In the same vein, real estate agents, how they have like their carpenter, their plumber, exactly. or whatever. Yeah, um, and exactly I've, right. I've always. Do you know anyone that's integrated into the real estate community? Like you figure, like people in transition, moving to new towns or moving out of towns, real estate agents would be a great center of influence for for wealth managers, don't you think? Yeah, and I don't think I've heard that. I'm sure someone's doing it because it seems so obvious, but I need to I'm take not my a, real estate guy to, to lunch and I'll tease that out. That's an interesting that's an interesting thought there. Well, I think what we learned from this exercise with your thumbs up, thumbs down, sideways, is that all our ideas are good. I think that's what we basically just yeah. learned. And we do know? that coming into it, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> we're so not, we're, we're like, not starting with our crappy ideas. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me sum up here before we transition to Cassandra Corner. So what's the takeaway from this episode? The first takeaway is going from segmentation to your service matrix. These are broad buckets of activities and you list out the number of touches you're going to do for A, B, C, and D. So for example, for A clients, I'm going to do two formal reviews this year. I'm going to do two digital communications. I'm going to be do one actional personal, one event, right? Whatever that is, you can kind of list it out. So that's the big takeaway is to get that service matrix in place. And the second takeaway is to listen through these client service ideas and pick out one that is interesting to you that you may want to implement. If you get nothing else from this show over time, you will get a bunch of different cool ideas for interacting with your clients because as Kurt alluded to before, the experience is probably the most important thing in this day and age in our industry. And like we've well, like we've said before, is I, we've done we've done the work for you, right? The the deliverable from this is the service template that the client service touch template we have, right? So if if you want to take a look at that, reach out to us at the whole truth at touchstonefunds.com. and you can see what that looks like. Because I, I think through a podcast, just talking about this stuff, it may be difficult to visualize, but there there's a deliverable that puts these thoughts down in black and white that I think most people would find helpful. Yeah, and 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 all of our deliverables, the one thing we could promise is they're simple. You know, we do not overly complicate things. We think keeping it simple is the right way to go. So we'll be back with the Costanza Corner. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Costanza Corner where we leave on a high note. So we've got a couple of things for you today. 
And I want to read a snippet, and and Kurt, this is someone from from your neck of the woods, and I'm going to read it for you. It's a picture of of a five-year-old child, and it says, Our hero, exclamation point. Five-year-old Noah Woods recently woke up to find his bedroom on fire. The only available exit was a window. He got himself, his two-year-old sister, and the dog out the window to escape the fire and woke up his uncle next door to alert the rest of his family. Noah and four other family members were treated for minor burns and smoke inhalation. But basically, this five-year-old saw the fire first, woke up, and got every single person out of the house. You don't want to think about what it would have happened wow. if, if he didn't do that. But what think a about baller. That. A hero as a five-year-old. And of course, the local fire department there is is awarding him like you know some kind of certification oh, or whatever. Yeah. So they need to put up a fantastic. statue for that kid. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a little bit of announcement too for for our uplifting segment. Yeah, well we'll we'll do double Costanza Corner. We so we're recording this early 2020 and I am happy to announce that well my my wife and I have two girls now, four and two, but we will be adding a little boy in a few months. Congratulations, uh, my friend. Thank you. Balancing awesome. out the the hormones in the house and yes. to really put a bow on it, we're buying a minivan this weekend. So look at that, a minivan. I how mean, about I, that? They're I'm probably pretty my, cool at this point. They are pretty cool. I, and yeah. that's how I know I am in my late thirties with three kids because I think minivans are cool. So oh, there you um, go. I'm just living my best life over here. Awesome. Well, that 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 story made me smile and your your announcement made me smile. So thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back with another episode soon. You can reach us as always at the whole truth at touchstonefunds.com. We'll see you next time. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC. 